Are you ready? You ready? Man. I'm ready. I put on my favorite shirt. This is my favorite shirt. These are my favorite jeans. They're stretchy jeans. These are my favorite shoes. I even got my favorite socks on. I don't want to talk about my underwear. Anyway, are you ready? <laughs> Thanks for prepping, man. It's awesome. Amen. This morning we begin a four-week series on the final book of the Old Testament, Malachi. You got to say it that way, Malachi. Before we dive in, I want to start with a simple question today. I don't know if it's a simple question, though. How passionate are you about Jesus right now? If you were to scale it 1 to 10, where would you be? I'm guessing there's a variety of answers in this room. And some of us here may feel closer to Jesus than ever before. And some people may feel distant. Wherever you're at today, I've been praying that God may use this series to draw us nearer to Him. Especially if you've been feeling some spiritual apathy. And that apathy is distance. Unconcern. Maybe even feeling kind of blah about your faith. You're here today though. And I thank you for that. Maybe you feel like you're just going through the motions. If that's you, I'm just so proud you're here today. And I love you for being here to worship God with me. I pray that God meets you today. Let's look at Malachi. You might be able to relate to this book. Malachi is the last book, like I said, in the Old Testament. And there, before this book, there were 400 silent years after this book between his prophecy and Jesus' birth. It's a short book. You can read through it in about 15 minutes, my friends. So I encourage you to read it a few times as we move through this series. It's just 55 verses. And 47 of them are God talking to his people through Malachi. He says nothing. Malachi says nothing about himself. He just simply is a messenger. And his name means messenger. Malachi means messenger. And he cared a lot about personal holiness. He cared a lot about leading people out of sin. And he was pretty courageous because he spoke to some very powerful people about it. To get some background here, people of Judah began to be exiled uh, from the promised land in 605 B.C. And they returned from Babylon about 70 years later. And by the time of Malachi, they had been back in the land for more than 100 years. They were looking for blessings. And they experienced uh, none, they felt. They expected to receive blessings when they returned. And though the temple had been rebuilt... The fervor of those early returning Israelites gave way to apathy for the things of God. This led to rampant corruption, especially among the priests and pastors of that time. And it led to spiritual disinterest of the people. That's how it works. If spiritual leadership is passionless, then guess what? congregation 
will follow that same passionless way. The priests were not teaching God's word. They were offering polluted offerings to God. And the people had ceased really giving their tithes to God. Their marriages were in shambles. And yet they all would claim that they were faithfully following God. And what does God say in light of all of this? Look at Malachi 1-2a. I have loved you, said the Lord. These are the first words God says to the disillusioned, the disappointed, the disengaged community. I have loved you. On God's side, there's no vague attachment, my friends. There's passionate commitment to lives. But listen to the response of the people. Malachi 1, 2b through 5. But you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau's Jacob's brother, declared the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. But Esau I have hated. I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say that though there have been, they have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord God Almighty says. That they may build, but I will demolish. They may be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes. And say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. It's like the people are saying, so what? So what? Where's, where's the evidence, God? You know, the number one peop- reason people bail out on a relationship with God, it really has to do with their doubt that God truly loves them. And they begin to go through that doubt. They begin to go through the motions. It's really faith fatigue. It's clear from Israel's response that they doubted God's love. And what they really were saying is, is you haven't loved us. You haven't shown your love to us. And they still worship God, but their hearts were far from Him. Their religion had form, but it lacked real substance. You know, it's possible to go through the motions and obey without love. It's possible to cling uh, to the truth and yet serve God in a loveless, lifeless fashion. Here are some of the symptoms of going through the motion or symptoms of fake faith fatigue. First is when love runs cold. It's like the death of a human marriage. It's always painful to see and to watch and it creeps in slowly. Couples begin to drift apart as the years go by. And that sometimes happens. Affection cools. They really don't talk anymore. They just exchange information. Yeah, they share the same address, but that's about it. They go through the motions. And the most dominant image in the the Old Testament, my friends, between God and His people was that covenant of marriage. And right here in Malachi... Verse 1 through 5, we see that they feel like love has gone from it. Not on God's side, but on their side. And they say, give us evidence. And God just says, and God does just that. He says, I have loved you from the beginning. Some translations say, I have loved you deeply. It's sad but true of churches and Christians. 
Many times you hear, remember when. You look back on your early days. You look back when prayer and Bible study was thoroughly enjoyed. Talking to God was natural and real. When you couldn't wait to step into worship, there was vigor. Just like the early days of marriage, there was passion and desire. But then things began to change. The spiritual life can get routine, can't it? And the spark goes. Then things begin to change. Is that you today? Where did you scale yourself? Love of God runs cold, on and off, hot or cold or lukewarm, indifferent or passionate. Are you living with an unshakable commitment to the one who does say, I love you deeply? Listen now, God says that. God proclaims that in the midst of your situation in life right now. I will never stop loving you, says the Lord. Your best days are ahead of you, my friends, in that love. And you don't lose your status as a child of God because you're having a bad week. The most important thing that we need to hear is not about how we feel about God, but what God, how God feels about us. In these verses, God goes back to the beginning. And Malachi shares his word. He takes people all the way back to Jacob. And here's the evidence that God gives. He says, was not Esau Jacob's brother, declared the Lord? I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I've turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert of jackals. God goes to the the womb of, of a woman named Rebekah, who is the wife of Isaac. She was carrying twins, Esau and Jacob, and Esau was born first. And because Jacob held on to the heel of Esau, they named him Jacob the grabber. And even though the firstborn was more important than the secondborn, God still says, Jacob is mine. I love him. He's mine. And I'm going to fulfill my covenant. I'm going to fulfill my promises through him, the God of Jacob. You see, Jacob didn't deserve God's love, but God changed his name from deceiver To what? Israel. And Israel became a great nation and there was a covenant of love with that nation. Now, Esau and his descendants, they settled in the territory of Edom. And this this is mentioned in verse 4. They went southeast and eventually their towns and their identities were lost, not temporarily, but permanently. There was no future for Esau's people. But what about God's covenant people? Here's the evidence. Yes, God's people through Jacob, yes, they lived in slavery in Egypt, but God delivered them miraculously. Yes, God's people were in captivity in Babylon, but God delivered them. Look around you, says Malachi, the prophet of God. And how do we link 5th century B.C. to 21st century A.D.? What evidence do we have for God's love for us this day? Is it material prosperity? That's what we Americans do. I'm so blessed with what I have. No. If I was going to base my assurance on God's love and blessing on, on that, it would be a very mixed picture. So where's the real evidence? 
The New Testament is very clear, my friends. Malachi is that swing door right into the New Testament. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the good news is is that God loves us, God loves you, God loves me in Christ Jesus. And God gave the remedy for our lives, to give us abundant life through Him. And God's love for us saves us from, from sin and death and judgment. And if we don't get that, we, get the, we miss the point of salvation, of being saved by grace through faith. And the words, I love you, is demonstrated by God unto us in Jesus Christ. And that will outlast the universe, my friends. Ask the question, God, how much do you love me? And watch Jesus stretch out his arms and say, this much, my dear child, is how much I love you. The only thing that really lasts is the love for the King Jesus in that way. Maybe this morning you're dealing with massive disappointment, a major bereavement, a mountain of suffering, an oppression of depression. And like Israel in the time of Malachi, you ask, how much did God, how much have you loved us, God? And what does God do? He points to the cross. He points to the cross. That cross, we see unchangeable love. We see an atonement for our sins, which means that at one with God, that everything's been cleared for us to come to Him. The curtain has been torn. We can come to Him. And we have to allow that sacrificial love to sink into our existence. I love how David Crowder puts it. He's jealous for me. Love like a hurricane. I am a tree. Bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware. of These afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are. And how great your affections are for me. Oh how he loves us. He sings. Oh how he loves us. Oh how he loves us all. Get that from here to here today, which that's been said is the greatest distance in the universe, from here to here. You see, God has promises and he keeps them. His love never fails. He never gives up on us. And that's our security. And I don't know why God loves us like that. It's certainly not because we're better than others. We have no prior claim to God's love. We can't earn it or repay it. You see, you can't rationalize that kind of love. You can respond to it, though. You can believe it. You can trust it because it's there. We owe our existence to the love of God. We have been kept spiritually alive in the love of Jesus Christ. We've been given abundant life because of that love. God loves you. God loves Anderson Hills Church. God loves Anderson Township, Forest Hills, city of Cincinnati. God loves this nation. God loves the world, and his word says that. 
And it still stands. His word still stands. I have loved you. When we are tired or broken or weary, God wants us to know that he loves us just the way we are. But he loves us too much to leave us that way, my friends. So we come to the second symptom of going through the motions of in faith fatigue. It's when worship becomes routine. Isn't worship so powerful? Wasn't that worship so powerful this morning? I love that song that Eric led us after he plugged in. <laughs> when, yeah, amen. When love, when love runs cold, when worship becomes routine, worship is going to become routine. Real active 24-7 worship can walk out of our lives. When adoration and thanksgiving cease, poor offerings come. And it happened in late century, 5th century Israel. Look at Malachi 1, 6 through 9. A son honors, honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord God Almighty? It is your, you priests who show contempt for me. But you ask, how have you shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offering from your hands, he will accept you, says the Lord Almighty. You see, when they came to the temple of Jerusalem, there was half-heartedness in their sacrifices. This was worship without respect, my friends. Like verse 6, he says, a son honors his father, slave his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm the master, where's the respect to me, says the Lord Almighty. There was a denial of a clear pattern of worship, of honor and respect that was gone. This was worship also without commitment. Blind animals, diseased animals. They were trying to get their atonement for sin with second bests and third bests. And God said, try, try offering that to your governor. There are imperfect sacrifices. And this was a pure denial of God's perfect character, my friends. Israel had been told from the very beginning in the law of Moses to bring the choicest animals. The grade A. The finest grain only. Only the best. And things got so bad in Malachi's day. According to verse 10, it says, Oh, that the one of you would shut the temple doors so that would not, uh, you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offerings from your hands. That's a staggering verse, my friends. You know what that really says is that God want, wanted nothing to do with second-rate worship. God's saying, I'd rather have the church closed and sold than insincere, half-baked, half-hearted worship. God is saying to Christians, better stay at home than come to church with half-hearted attitude. 
We serve a God of beauty, of grace, of excellence. And that's why we can't offer tired, lazy, mediocre worship unto God. I tell you what, writing a sermon this week was so convicting for me. It's like, Jonathan, where are you going through the motions, man? God's saying, look at what you bring me. Your cast-offs, your leftovers. The animals no one wants. Half-dead sacrifices. No thought, no preparation, no true sacrifices. There's a huge principle here, my friends. Not just Sundays on weekdays. We know that worship is offering all of our lives as a sacrificial offering unto the Lord. You see, worship that has no, that has cost us nothing means nothing. Worship that has cost us nothing means nothing. To give our best to God is to offer our lives over to, to greatness and purpose and truth and meaning. We are to be committed to God, not just involved. You know, there's a big difference between eggs and bacon. <laughs> the chicken's only involved in the eggs. <laughs> The pig is fully committed. That's what God wants. Bacon, not eggs. Our lives is a sacrificial offering unto the Lord. In Malachi's day, the worship was without passion. They were bored. It was all ritual. It was all passionless. No respect, no commitment. This week I've been listening to a song. It just came to mind when this series came across the desk. Matthew West's song. Play it on YouTube, The Motions. Listen to these powerful lyrics. This might hurt, it's not safe, but I know that I've got to make a change. I don't care if I break, at least I'll be feeling something. Because just okay is not enough. Help me to fight through the nothingness of my life. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me. I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I've given everything instead of going through the motions? No regrets, not this time. I'm going to let my heart defeat my mind. Let your love make me whole. I think I'm finally feeling something because, okay, it's just not enough. Help me fight through this nothingness of my life because I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day without your consuming passion inside of me. Been playing that in the car. I love how he says, help me fight. I think we have to fight for it with God's help. God's got your back. God wants you to adore your life, your living, your being, your existence in him. For in him we live and move and have our being. God wants to create passionate Jesus followers. The joy of the Lord also is our strength. What if we walked into every worship with the expectation that God's going to move in us? What if we walked into every day with the expectation that God's going to move in that day with us? Offering our voices as first fruits with enthusiasm and joy. Giving our tithes with a cheerful heart. Remember Psalm 122, verse 1? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go in the house of the Lord. Yeah, baby. That's the approach of coming into this worship center, especially. No turning back. Today we have an opportunity to squelch out apathy. To evaluate our current state of our relationship with the Lord. Is it where you want it to be? 
Well, God will make it happen to where you want it to be, where he wants it to be. Ask yourself, what has caused me to lose my love and passion for the Lord? Get to the bottom of that. Our staff is here to help you, especially our pastors. We're here to help you with that. Ask him to reveal what prevents you from fully experiencing his love for you. Ask the Lord for ways in which you can respond to his love that are pleasing to him. We come to this table this morning remembering the mighty acts in Jesus Christ. That Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We also come with self-examination. It's more than just having spontaneous confession, my friends. It's, it's a growing discipleship that should bring to life, bring us to life before the light of the Lord on a regular basis. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13.5, Examine yourself to see whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Paul encourages Self-examination. Search me, O oh God. Is there apathy? Do I have a newness and a freshness about my life and you? Is there commitment? Is there vigor? Passion, wholehearted love. You see, Jesus Christ, think about it. He did not go through the motions when he went to the cross. He gave all of himself, my friends, for you, for me. For our salvation. Body broken. Body broken for us. Blood shed for us. Once and for all. God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we would be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. Make us one with you in that oneness and vigor and new life. Awaken to being alive in Christ, dear Lord. Thank you for communing with us to show us uh, that you do indeed love us through your great sacrifice and mighty acts in Jesus Christ. Meet us at this table today. God, forgive us. We lose our way. When that apathy, apathy grows, thank you for your grace that calls us back. Thank you, God, that we have full access to you and your truths. And that grace. And now as your beloved sons and daughters. We pray the prayer. With vigor this morning. That you taught us to pray together. Our Father. Who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.